present by Stefan Molyneux, Chapter 18. Crystal jolted awake at the pounding. In the half-sleep of a dream drugged by exhaustion, she had been hiding in the basement of an expat hotel in Syria, in Damascus. Men in black combat gear were sprinting down the hallway outside the supply closet she crouched in. She had no idea where her cameraman had gotten to and had vague memories of her elderly producer spiraling off a balcony. She stared at the cleaning products around her, certain that she was going to die with the full knowledge of the Arabic word for bleach. Dust dropped in wide plumes around her as the building shook. She had a wild thought of recording a selfie video to be found later and receiving a posthumous Pulitzer Prize for reporting from beyond the grave. Even to the end, Crystal Pavlovich was dedicated to her craft, her profession. There wouldn't be a dry eye in the house, at least until people started laughing over the suggestive shapes of the dessert. Having faced mortal danger many times, Crystal had ample evidence about how she felt in the presence of death. She always felt a strange weariness and a profound sense of relief when buildings began to shake around her or planes wobbled dangerously in the sunrise or interviews suddenly turned violent or youthful crowds seized at her while she was being filmed. The last time, when she was savagely yanked into a boiling crowd of protesters in Egypt, she felt her entire body go limp with submission. And the distinct phrase, Thank God, echoed in her mind. She also had a sudden zooming out of perspective and realized with a deep shock everything she was reporting on was, at best, a towering wave into a seaside wall. A crash, a thunderclap, a high splash back, and then a slow recession and return to normalcy. All that sound and fury signifying just a blip in the general evenness of the ocean. Even an earthquake that topples buildings is eventually forgotten. The buildings go back up, life goes on, and the first-hand stories fall slowly to the grave. Crystal had pursued such wild stimuli over the course of her life that the idea of death coming as a relief was so foreign to her that it took her quite a long time to understand it. She had taken enough therapy to know that people on the run are always being chased by something, that ambitious people are fleeing from failure, at least in their own minds. But she had no idea what was pursuing her, so made no progress in fighting the growing depression she felt after that moment. Crystal had been grabbed at, beaten, and rescued by her security team before any deep and permanent damage was done to her. But she had great difficulty getting back on the horse, so to speak. She had started obsessively reviewing her old footage, 
something which was anathema to her in the past, all the way back to the beginning. She had to buy a used VCR player and slide in grainy tapes from the late 1980s. Her young, angular face, when she could have definition without looking haggard, speaking confidently, shrinking only slightly in the face of explosions and flames, just enough to make the men want to protect her, her seeming obliviousness to her own great looks, another male fantasy, all combined to launch her into the stratosphere of her profession. Crystal had started off apolitical, but had gradually drifted leftward, both because it became exhausting to fight the ridiculous undercurrents of her profession, and because she started to believe that government was the only social agency capable of rapidly helping people in desperate need. Like everyone, she was aware of the strange and growing physics of her environment, the endless riptides in one direction, the pauses and frowns at any hesitation or, heaven forbid, counter-narrative. Who got promoted? Who got demoted? Who got cast out entirely? Crystal felt like a puppy figuring out how to hunt. She could not conceptualize the physics but she sure knew where her food was dangled. When she was a kid, she enjoyed opening the top of a banana a tiny bit, then pushing the gooey fruit out by squeezing the bottom. This began to feel like her life. She had outstripped the energies of her youth and was now driving forward based on willpower and... and... something whatever she was running from. When Crystal was ambitious, she climbed to the top. When she was at the top with nowhere else to climb, she turned to fending off, not competitors exactly, but something. Decay? Obsolescence? She got to the top by focusing on the future. When she arrived, she turned to the past. Obviously, at least obviously to an outsider, Crystal turned to the past out of fear for her future, the last third of her life, when she couldn't be waving a microphone and chasing insurgents down blind, sandy alleys. The great invisibility was beginning to swallow her up. The great invisibility that awaits single women post-fertility, past career peak, past youthful energy, in the grip of hot flash menopause, bone loss, and the grim dieting choice between having a more attractive figure but a more wrinkled face. Crystal was running from her future which overtakes everyone, if they are lucky. She jumped up as the pounding switched to a sharp knocking. Peering through the peephole, she saw Rachel's sweaty face and unkempt hair. After Crystal unlocked the door, she jumped back as Rachel shoved it open. Hi there. Crystal's voice was slow to express her disapproval. I'm sorry for for broaching, panted Crystal. Can I get some water? 
<laughs> Not for coffee, I hope, laughed Crystal. No, no. Rachel half ran through the living room into the small kitchen. Where do you keep the glasses? Top left shelf by the fridge. Don't use the plastic ones. They're too hard to clean. Rachel grabbed a glass, got water, and gulped it down. Crystal said, Rach, I'm sorry about last night or this morning. I can't tell anymore. I tried reading the article, but passed out. Your knocking woke me. I'm sorry, too, said Rachel distractedly. I know we should talk, but maybe a, a nap first? You, I mean. I couldn't sleep. Not a chance, said Rachel, sitting heavily on the faded orange couch. She ran her fingers through her hair, not to tidy it, but to air out her wet forehead. Crystal sat down gingerly in an armchair, broadcasting for an invisible audience her belief that she had to move slowly in order not to startle the obviously crazy person in her living room. So, you want to tell me what's going on, other than the obvious? I'm sorry. Again, I, I, I just needed a place to hold up. From the media? Rachel blinked in surprise. Oh, no, not that. I haven't really checked. Crystal frowned. Something with uh, Arlo? Well, well, things aren't too great there, but not that either. I, I don't know. How much food do you keep here? Crystal laughed incredulously. Oh, how long are you planning on staying? I don't know that either. Okay, getting a little alarmed here. You, you are really going to have to tell me what's happening. Do you wish you had ever married again? When you've known people for a long time, surprise is the only way you can stall obvious and necessary questions. In accordance, Crystal blinked comically. Married? I'd have to crawl down the aisle. No, I mean, before, after... Crystal shrugged. That kind of thing was never for me, not really. It was kind of cruel to marry Sergei in the first place. I liked his hyper-masculinity, but... He, in turn, wanted me to be more feminine, more girly, and that's just really not in me at all. Lessons learned, murmured Rachel, obviously lost in her own thoughts. And when you were in danger, you turned to men. Crystal cocked her head in annoyance. My security detail was men, yes, because that is more respected in patriarchal cultures, which is to say all cultures, as you know. Rachel gestured at the air. And... This building, built by men. The tap, the water, what quenches my thirst. The sewage system, the roads, the cars, the food. Mostly grown by men. We live in a man's world. Only because we are excluded. Who stopped you from becoming an engineer or, or a construction worker? Are we really going to try and relive an alternate resume from when I was a girl? Snapped Crystal. And you're not telling me what is really going on. Do you think that Arlo and I have a future? What would it matter what I think? What do you think? I don't have a clue, said Rachel, simply, sadly. Hmm, said Crystal, doing a poor job of covering up some strange satisfaction. Well, she said briskly, in my experience, you can't do anything halfway if you want to do it at all well. Sergey interfered with my career. He wanted to baby me up, turn me into some kind of brood mare. And I had this flash every time he begged for it of ending up like Cinderella on my knees in a dirty, puffed-out housecoat for the rest of my life. 
Like one of those prune-faced Eastern European great-grandmothers scrubbing endless underwear by an outhouse until you just keel over into the dirty water, buried and forgotten, just like everyone else. So, no regrets? Crystal jerked forward suddenly. See, that's why I want these memoirs to get out. I don't want to sound overly vain, although I know that's a weakness, but I think that my life could be inspiring for other women, like it was for you. Maybe it still is. I hope so. She shook her head rapidly. Much though I love to talk about myself, you're still not telling me what's going on. The reaction to the article? Rachel shook her head. No, I mean, yes, but not primarily. You could always take a break from your career, help me with my memoirs. I'll find a way to pay you. Rachel shuddered. I don't think that's going to matter too much. She jumped up. That's a terrible way to put it. Sorry. Where's your remote? Over there, on on the table. Rachel turned on the television. How do you get regular TV? Damned if I know, muttered Crystal. Rachel stabbed buttons randomly, switching through various empty auxiliary inputs. After a few minutes, she gave up. Unlock your phone, she said. Crystal shuddered. God, I'm getting 9-11 flashbacks. Please don't tell me there's been another attack. No. Crystal scrolled through the news on her phone. Nothing too major, just some shortages, the usual. She glanced up. Why are we using my phone? I'm not touching mine. Rachel took a deep breath. I abandoned my, my car. You did what? Crystal's voice was sharp, shocked. I left it. I'd been in traffic for over two hours. Nothing was happening. I couldn't even get to a gas station right within sight, and I was basically out of gas. So you walked here? Yeah, the subway is closed. Oh, come on, they would say that, snapped Crystal, gesturing with her phone. Look out the window, cried Rachel. Rolling her eyes, Crystal walked around the tiny dining room table, still holding last night's delivery food remains, and opened the thick curtains. Looking down, her mouth dropped open. I wish I could open this window, she said urgently. What the hell? Rachel joined her, lowering her eyes. Athletic youths were swarming back and forth like a multicolored churning sea through the flat boulders of the stationary cars. Even from their high perch, even through the sealed windows, they could hear the occasional gunshot. Where the hell are the police? whispered Crystal. I don't know. Well, today is a fine day to stay home, then. Crystal's voice was brittle with false bravado. That's going to take a while to clean up. Oh, my God, murmured Rachel. Far below, someone was pulled out of a car by a swarming gang. There was a flicker, then a slightly delayed bang. The gang fell back, half stumbling the victim back through the sea of moving bodies. The original group fanned out and circled. As they watched, a golden door to a condominium building opened up and a flurry of arms pulled the figure inside. Crystal said, That's just... feral. Rachel turned to her. As I said, how much food do you have? For some reason, Crystal looked furtive, almost guilty. I have... Well, I haven't had any real energy to cook, so I have some frozen meals, but, but I've mostly been ordering t- takeout. Rachel sighed. Crystal took a deep 
breath, and colour seemed to return to her cheeks. She gestured at her condo. I've been holed up in worse places. Do you have a radio? God, no, I don't think so. Rachel tried getting a television signal again. Both of them suddenly felt acute, feminine helplessness. We've got to get out of the city, muttered Rachel. Crystal nodded, slowly absorbing the sentence. Her energy seemed to deflate again. I'm... I don't have the energy to go anywhere. She half collapsed on the couch. Rachel was biting at her thumb. Taking a deep breath and unlocking her phone, she dialed. Nothing? God, they're always home. Okay. Okay, I've got to get to Mom and Dad's. Why... Crystal bit her tongue, but they both knew the end. Why them and not me? Crystal said, They have each other, Cassie and Ian, just down the street. They're both at work, and Ben... Ben is in a daycare. Crystal turned to her, eyes wide. She opened her mouth, then closed it again. Rachel tried dialing a few more numbers. Now I can't even get a... She glared at her phone, shaking it. I have bars, but nothing is going through. Or coming in, thank God. What am I going to do? Crystal raised her hand. Okay, whoa, Nelly. So there are a couple of riots going on outside. Big whoop. A couple of summers ago, it was even worse. Life went on. Rachel murmured. At some point, it does end, though. What does? What ends? Crystal's voice was brittle, sarcastic. Don't tell me you've become one of those end-of-the-world doom and gloomers. Everything can be just marked away, right? Snapped Rachel. Everything you don't like, every objection can just be... She snapped her fingers. Wished into oblivion. Crystal looked at her, quizzically. You've... You haven't had any sleep. You're misfiring on all cylinders. She leaned forward and opened her thick arms. Come to auntie. No, cried Rachel. She sat on the armchair, running frantic fingers through her hair. This is a... She gestured bitterly, and Crystal suddenly smelled the sick scent of her own abode. The endless lying around, the dust and stains and airlessness. A tomb? I need to use your car, said Rachel. Crystal's eyes widened. Now? To go see your parents? Rachel shook her head angrily. Not to see them, Crystal. To check on them. Crystal sat back in the deep couch. Not totally comfortable with that, to be honest. It's kind of crazy out there. It's going to get crazier, though. Crystal sighed explosively. (sighs) And then, and then it would just get better. I've been around the block a few times, you know. Things always return to normal. Rachel stared at her. Have you? Crystal blinked. Me? You've been lying on this couch for how long? Have you returned to normal? Rachel! cried Crystal in horror. Where is this coming from? Rachel looked away. You worked yourself too hard and in the wrong way. Like that summer I was shucking corn. All the guys were fine, but I ended up with a bad back for like two years. It's not my fault I got sick, cried Crystal, raising her hands to her face. Rachel's eyes narrowed. What is wrong with you? Crystal gestured helplessly. Oh, you know, all these doctors, the patriarchy, they don't care about women's issues. What if... Rachel took a deep breath. What? 
snapped Crystal. Colour had returned to her cheeks. What? Rachel exhaled. I really need your car. No, it's going to get torn apart. And you too. Just, just wait. Rachel shook her head rapidly. I'm tired of waiting, she cried wildly. My whole life I've had this tension in my chest, in my belly. Why aren't you ever aware of the danger? What danger? God, everything. Rachel, you're frightening me. Are you, did you take any drugs? Our whole country is falling apart. You can't buy anything. Crime is through the roof. Everything is on back order. Oh, I bet those are daycare kids out there. What are daycare kids? Rachel shrugged in frustration. Oh, doesn't matter. Please, God above, lend me your car. I need it to get to appointments. I'll bring it back. You said it yourself. Things are going to return to normal. Try calling your sister. Shrugging, Crystal did as she was told. Nothing. Aren't you worried? Crystal sighed. I've been through too much to worry about things. You're young. You've had a bad night. You're taking a personal disaster and trying to turn it into something societal. Yeah, psychologizing. Great, muttered Rachel. She stood suddenly. Crystal. Aunt Crystal. I'm going out there. I'm going to get to mom and dad. I'm going to find out what's going on with Ben. I'm getting out of the city. I really need your car. You can lend it to me or I could go out on foot. God, if I had the physical strength, I would restrain you. Rachel stared at her. Crystal whispered, what if you are, what if you are right? What if things are falling apart? Rachel held out her hand. I will not leave you here. Crystal wiped away a tear. I, I don't want you to go. I tried to be brave, but... Rachel sat slowly. But what? Crystal sobbed. It just feels like a grave in here, Rachel. I used to stride the world like like that colossus. <laughs> Your friends, they just turned on you last night. And forever, I think. And my friends, my colleagues, they just strolled on like I was nothing. Crazy Crystal, whatever happened to her? No one cares. No one comes back. No one checks on you. I want to go and check on mom and dad. I know, I know, but they have each other. What do I have? You have your memories. I could... I could have another 30 years on the planet, said Crystal miserably. Why would I even want them? And what was the plan, huh? demanded Rachel. You see a lot of female reporters in their 70s? That's not my fault, cried Crystal. Who, who cares whose fault it is? You always told me life isn't fair. Fight your way through, isn't that what you always said, tough girl? It's not my fault I got sick. Maybe, but it is your fault for... For what? Spit it out, damn it! For not living a life where if you got sick, you would have someone to take care of you. No, not if. When? Did you imagine that you were never going to have any problems? I can't... I can't be your nursemaid. I can't be your assistant. I can't be your archivist. They are your memories, Aunt Crystal. And if I... When do I get to have my vivid memories? Rachel laughed bitterly. <laughs> well, today perhaps.
You think I, I have just lived my life all wrong. Mom has dad. Cassie has Ian. You have Arlo, said Crystal coldly. Rachel frowned. Crystal said, You never thought to call him, did you? She shrugged. We are not so different. Rachel stabbed at her phone, then shook her head. He'll be fine. He can always sell himself, murmured Crystal. Crystal! He's pretty, you know, it's just a joke. For that joke, I'd get your car. Crystal reached forward, clutching at Rachel. In return, in return, if everything goes back to normal, I get you for my memoirs. Rachel hesitated, then nodded. If we have a future, you can use me for your past. <laughs>